Hello! Welcome! This is it. This is the place. Real disagreement in the podcast where we really disagree on things. That is true. <laughs> it is true. I'm Rob. I'm Amy. And this is the podcast where we make the other watch movies they haven't seen that we suspect we will not agree on. This week we had a theme. What was our theme this week? Mothers. Wow. It's, is Glenn Danzig actually in the room? I'm taller than him. So Are you really? I have to be. He's a little dude. I think the whole world is taller than Glenn. <laughs> Some friends of ours live in his neighborhood. You said that last time. Continues to be true. <laughs> um, well, then we'll cut that out. No. Um, this week we have two films, Steel Magnolias and Mother! Exclamation point by Darren Aronofsky. We also have a guest, someone who I'm actually nervous to talk about, uh, to talk in front of because she knows me better than perhaps anyone else. My wife, Mindy. My wife. My wife. Hi. Don't be nervous. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm just as nervous uh, to be on the podcast. So Fair enough. There's that. I can introduce her instead and say, my friend, Mindy. Does that, like, is that a more strong descriptor than the woman I'm, I'm married to? I'm just saying if that I'm makes... only married to one person. You have many friends. If you make that... That's not actually true, but um, if it makes you less nervous... How many wives do you think I have? No, no. I mean... I don't have that many friends. <laughs> oh, this turned into a sad episode. But that's okay, because that's what Steel Magnolias is about. Oh, but we're not starting with Steel Magnolias. The power of girlfriends. No, and I thought it was funny, actually, because um, we linked these two by the theme of mothers and mother mm-hmm. relationships, but there were more themes. There were. There were more things that connected. <laughs> there were, there were more a lot. closely related than I than would like. Than expected, yeah. yeah. Like... Because they're both about cycles. Yeah. They both are very much structured in a circular fashion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they're about seasons. Mm-hmm. And they both actively employ lowercase letters to identify their characters. Interesting. The The cast list and the title of Mother is lowercase. Yeah. Except for one character, him, Javier right. Bardem's character is capital H. Wow. Oh, your Bardem is a very... He's not handsome, but he's real sexy. It's a weird thing. Well, okay. Because his face looks like it was made out of a shovel. So, okay. Wait. Hold on. Let me get back <laughs> okay, to the lowercase letters. Yeah. Um, and then in Steel Magnolias, the cast listing, everybody's lowercase print. That's interesting. Which I thought was just... Yeah. Just a little side just note. Just a little something. Okay. So, we've talked a lot about my strange attractions. We. <laughs> it's a dominant theme of this program. Okay. And I'm trying to make that not an issue as much. No, no, let's continue. However, let's explore this. I heard a really interesting analogy for like, for exactly what you just said. Javier Bardem, not traditionally handsome. No. But he made you meow just now. He is, well, he, I understand that, because I'm not personally sexually attracted to the man, but he is just objectively sexy. He okay. just is. So that's a thing. Right? So I, the analogy or whatever, a, a way that made it really clear to me was on um, a podcast that Mindy introduced me to, My Favorite Murder. And she was talking about, um, they were talking about the flight of the Concords guys. Oh, Rob and I this recently is... had this conversation because I listened to the same podcast. Yeah. Continue. Where she said that Brett McKenzie is the more technically, traditionally. He's a prettier man. He's very pretty. He's very symmetrical. Like, Jermaine Clement is not symmetrical. Um, but she described being in a room with him, and Jermaine walked towards her, and she said it was like a gust of wind came up, and she was like, what the hell is happening right now? 
Well, and I get like I get that. I feel like my me too. He is my man, Jermaine. Yes. for sure. Anyone that can do an amazing Bowie impression like that is super good. Like, but I there's so much there, and it's I think it's it's humor and it's confidence and it's power, right? Like, confidence sure. and humor make power. I think so. Uh, I mean, I and that's what's attractive. I think that's one of the recipes for it. But confidence and humor, like, a Bardem wouldn't have that. No, but there's, he's got confidence. But there's, I don't know, it's charisma. And people come across their charisma in different ways. Yeah. And, and you know, you've got, you get all revved up about uh, Sam Elliott. And, revved and up? I don't know that he's traditionally handsome. I, I don't, well, wait so <laughs> hold the phones. One, there's so many points here. To say I get revved up out of him, I, I certainly don't. Yeah, you do. I appreciate that he's a super good-looking man. <laughs> For the listeners, your wife looking man. is nodding her yeah. head. My wife um, you will get absolutely up. be <laughs> agreeing with you on everything that comes up here. No, that's not true. No, I'm good with it. I get it. I'm good with it. Um, Mindy's love of Jermaine Clement knows no bounds. Yeah. True. It is. There is... I don't know if I should tell this tale. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just put it like this. Even in the most surprising of circumstances, different portrayals of his, she'll be like, that's doing it for me. I'll go, really? That way she'll go, oh yeah. Yeah, well, as Rob pointed out early in our relationship, I am attracted to talent. Yeah. And he's very talented. And even the Muppets. Yeah, maybe in Muppets <laughs> Most Wanted. Yeah. Where he's playing... Someone in a Russian prison. Yeah, ste- sexy. Oh, He's yeah. sexy in that. Yeah, no, I get that for yeah. sure. All right. Yeah. Well, I don't understand how we still haven't talked about this goddamn movie. Yeah, okay, sorry. Let's talk about Mother. Mother. All right. So, and I'm going to make a couple of jokes that I have to say right now are really not mine. Like, I think that huh. I think that the inspiration from them for them comes from Doug Benson, I want to say, because this is what he said about him, but... Oh my God! This movie really should be called House Walking. So much house walking. Like she okay. just walks through the house. Like the first twenty minutes, she's just walking through the house. Okay. Can we get to the fucking haiku? Walks through house. <gasps> Good lord. Okay. We actually have three haikus. Yeah, Mindy. Well, two. I don't have one. No, but we have an internet submission. Oh, that's right. We do have an internet submission. Oh, you do fun. Yeah. Yeah. You go first. I'll go first. So this is my first attempt at a haiku. Wow. Ever? Yeah. <laughs> wow. So I was really, I might be off on syllables, but here, here it is anyway. Okay. okay. Here we go. Mindy's haiku got erased by the computer, so here it is. Home intruders, mother nature inspires, people destroy all. That lets me know where you're going with your interpretation of the movie. Mm-hmm. Definitely going with the symbolic... But I think there's two takes on the symbology. Of this. Oh, there's uh, multiple. There's two main mm-hmm. ones, I think. Yeah. Um, so anyway. And I got two out of it. Like two. Mm-hmm. And when it ended, I was like, As okay, it's I. this and I think it's this. So. Yeah, I did too. And I think I chose the other one. So here's my haiku. It's quite stilted. Um, creation, maker, obsession, destroy, repeat. So much housewalking. Uh-huh. I, I had to. You love housewalking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then we asked people on our brand new Facebook page. So if you're interested, you can find us on Facebook and participate in the conversation there. And it's a page, not a group. 
Um, so you have to like it, dang it. But we asked people what they thought about the movie, and um, one of Rob's friends and first our one of our first followers, David Pesta, said, "No, no, I get it. Biblical allegory, really not that smart." And Which, I would agree. I would agree. It's so heavy-handed. We're gonna get there. Okay. We're getting. We're getting to it. Okay. So uh, I have to summarize this thing. Okay. Um, In a way, you could do it very simply, very quickly. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, I think it's hard to talk about summarizing it without thinking about those different interpretations of the symbology. Right. So I'll try not to do that. But there's an inexplicably amazing, beautiful house in the middle of a field. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a creator. It takes you a while to figure out that he's a poet. Um, And with a much younger wife who has been restoring the house, and they live together, and and there's obviously been some trauma in his past, and he has this magical crystal thing that doesn't get explained, really. Um, Until it does. Until it does, yeah. Yeah. And then two travelers come through, well, no, excuse me, one traveler comes through totally out of nowhere, find out he's a fan, um, and then he just starts bringing chaos into their lives. He, He brings his wife, and she's... You know, I'm not a big fan of this word, but she's a bitch. Like, she... Oh. Oh. Yeah, I thought so. Okay. I, well, she's a... And I use that word because... Because the reason I don't like the word is because it's... It's really, it uses a gender-specific insult versus she's kind of bitchy. She it's gender-specific, but but it and it and it said and it describes a type of woman and the things she was doing. That's a bitch. Like she she was being right. terrible to another woman in very gender specific ways. Talking mm-hmm. about their sex life, denigrating her for not wanting to have kids or not being able to have kids. Like that stuff all rang really true and really hard with me mm. as a purposefully child free person. Um, some of the stuff she was saying to her, I was like, ugh, ugh. It kind of hurt a little. Um, so no, I didn't like the traveler's wife. Um, and then she just creates chaos, and she invites these people, and then their two sons come in. So what is this now? Our third movie with we have Donald I, I was Gleason. That too. We have a few actors who we keep coming back to. <laughs> Dolly Parton, incredibly, makes her second appearance. Mm-hmm. Dolly Parton, Julia yeah, Roberts. Donald Gleason is on a lot. We should say it properly. I don't know how to. Donal, I told you. Donal. Donal. I don't think that's how it should be. It's exactly what you said the first time I told you. It was. <laughs> I believe you. I only have three <laughs> jokes. Yeah. And I cycle through them. Uh, Could go ahead. I chime in on that? Yeah. When I was watching that scene. Which I, one? When the, the two sons come in. The sons. I thought, how did Ed Harris and Michelle Pfeiffer have two ugly children? That seems impossible to me. Wow. It's pretty harsh. In what world is that happening? I don't the Gleason boys, two brothers playing them. Yeah. yeah. Another one, he goes by Brian, but his like given name is Breen. Um, Brian Gleason struck me as plain, not necessarily. I don't think Michelle Pfeiffer ugly. could have a plain child. And then here, that combo, how'd that happen? Michelle Pfeiffer is one of the all-time great screen beauties. I mean, yeah, top two I don't or three. Know. Stuff happens. <laughs> I, I feel like with this one, we need to go through like the most bare bones of what happened and yeah. then go back through it with Symbolic. here's what these things seem to represent yes. and then expand on them. Okay. So, so the sons come in, they get in a fight, the one son kills the other one, mm-hmm. sort of 
accidentally, Aww. but not accidentally. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a fit of rage. He attacks him. He doesn't mean to kill him. Yeah. Um, and then they take him to the hospital. He dies. And then they come back from the hospital. And all this time, the wife is left alone. Um, the Jennifer Lawrence character, because there's multiple wives. Yeah, sorry. The, the young wife mother. of the poet. Yeah. She's not the mother yet. Well, her name in the script is mother. Yeah. Um, actually, I don't know if that's true. I thought it, for sure it was. Mm-hmm. I thought she was just called she. I thought they just used a lot of pronouns. Where'd that other page go? Oh, yeah, you're right. It is mother. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Okay, I'm wrong. Um, <laughs> so they come back from the hospital, and these people who are strangers of all of, like, 14 hours almost at this point, yeah. um, bring a whole funeral procession over, mm-hmm. um, and then... And then they leave, right? What makes them leave? I they forgot. get kicked out because they are starting to destroy the house. Yes. And she kicks them out after the sink is destroyed. No, the sink doesn't get destroyed till the party. Oh, yeah, that's mm-hmm. the funeral. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so she kicks them all out. Yeah, because people are... are The, part, the funeral gets yeah. out of hand. Um, and there's one super creepy dude that, like, hits on her, and that was all really awful rough. And then and they use really misogynistic yeah. language toward her. Really, really rough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, and then she, and then they get in a fight. He and, or him, capital H, him mm-hmm. and mother. Um, I feel like you just need to use the actor's name. Yeah, Javier Bardem and Jennifer Lawrence get in mm-hmm. a fight, um, which then ends in them making love. They wake up. She says she she miraculously knows she's pregnant. She says she's pregnant, and then that breaks his writer's block. Mm-hmm. And he, he writes, produces the greatest poem of all time. Yeah, um, you know, to the point where it makes her cry when she reads it. But she also has these images that are sort of scary for her personally to manage. Mm-hmm. And she and I thought it was really telling when she said, "Am I going to lose you?" Mm-hmm. At that moment, I thought that that was prolific. Mm-hmm. Um, so then it gets published, everybody loves it, the world starts flocking to the house, um, and then all these people are in their home to celebrate yeah. him, um, you know, and at that point she's very And close. it's a religious fervor, almost. Like, I was reminded of the, like, Ayatollah Khomeini when his body was torn apart in the streets. Yeah. The whole thing of, they, they just need a piece of them, and they start tearing the house apart. Yeah, and they say, and she asks, why are you doing this? And they say, to show that we were here. Yeah. One time, they also say as a souvenir... Um, ultimate, and, and there's the, in that part, there's all these weird scenes that look like concentration camps and they look like border fights and they look like there's rioters, like crazy. It's all really, really rough and violent. Um, she has the baby in the midst of all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of the fans of the poet want to see the baby, um, after a long standoff where she won't let Javier Bardem mm-hmm touch the baby because she knows what he's going to do and he does it he presents the baby to the people um they take it they kill it they eventually they they roughly handle it until it dies yeah the neck and then consume it yeah and then they eat the baby um and then and then they beat her almost to death yeah and she realizes the only way to end it is to destroy it all and she goes downstairs to the like the the heater oil tank yeah but that part was weird for me like it was mentioned earlier. I mean, she finds it earlier. It was, but they were hidden behind a wall. Like, why would you hide equipment? This is where you're getting I, hung I up. I knew you were going to get this mad at me. This is where you're getting hung up. I just, because I thought it was going to be something else. I thought, and okay. I, or I thought that the house was saying, like, it was an underground railroad house. Or, it's, like, I just, I thought there was going to be more out of that because it's, it's, her it's, discovery of it was so, like, pointed. The mode of destruction is hidden away. 
Okay. And we see that the mode of destruction is the same every time. Okay. So she goes to the heater oil, sets the house on fire, somehow lives through it. He carries her. Um, well, she's burned to a crisp and he's unhurt. Yeah. And he's carrying her and she says, he said, what did he, I can't remember if he said it first. I wrote it down. She, oh yeah. And I actually, my note is that the dialogue at the end is awful. Hmm. Um, he says, I need one last thing. She says, I have nothing left to give. And he says, your love. And then she gives it. And very literally. Yeah. He puts his hand on her chest, rips her heart out. Um, she dies, he squeezes it, it becomes the magic fire crystal, and everything starts out all over again. And there's a new woman... In the bed that was the same opening... The new cycle. Yeah. Um, moment from the beginning of the movie. So that's pr- as bare bones as we could get. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I'd say that's accurate. Um, I feel like this is a movie that is so kind of defined by dream logic. Yeah. You know, time is very compressed in it. It goes from, you know, there's this funeral thing uh, to he's published to they're at the house. I mean, it feels like it all happens in a couple of days. It, of course, doesn't all happen in a couple of days by virtue of she, you know, just ate a child and all the rest. But yeah. it happens real fast. Everything's on really exaggerated timelines. But, okay, should we start in on the symbology of it? Well, I mean, that's like... So I thought, you know... there's some that are super obvious. It's killer. It kills me because I can't watch movies now without thinking about how we would have a conversation about them. That's funny. Um, <laughs> like, what? There was something the other day. And I so we went and saw Ant-Man and the Wasp. Ooh, we're excited to see it. It's super fun. It, yeah. And that's it. It's fun. It's fun. Yeah. Great. No, it's perfect summer popcorn movie. Super fun. Um, but there was something in it where I was like, oh, we would talk about this. And it distracted <laughs> me. <laughs> um, but so I, so I'm watching this and I'm thinking about it and I'm, and I'm thinking about the other movies that, um, you've made me watch and my partner brought, we were talking about Mother and my partner brought up last night and he said, what was that crazy acid cowboy movie? And I'm like, yeah, well, El Topo. Yeah, similar films. Yeah, and and so, you know, with El Topo, I was bored. And... Powerful sigh. Uh, and I know, I know that, I know that, know that for, for you, it, it is very much for mm-hmm. Which is hard for me to get behind, which is strange. It is. Given that I was an art history student for a very long time. You come from a theatrical family. Yeah. I get it too. I have an art background and I feel the same way. It's a different... You can watch a movie and that's something that through my relationship with Rob that I've kind of gone come to appreciate that over time. Yeah. But it's taken a while because I have a similar relationship to movies that you do. I want to escape. I want yes. to get pleasure out of them. Mm-hmm. And Rob wants to watch them for art's sake. And my entire life is for art's sake. So I'm living my life doing art and studying art and it's all art. And so when I see a movie, sometimes I just want to escape. Yeah. So it has taken the eight years that I've been with Rob <laughs> to kind of go, okay, I'm going to watch this movie and I'm going to look at this through a critical artistic eye, and I'm not escaping. But when I watch an Amy movie, I get to watch it for pleasure. And when I'm watching a Rob movie, it's a different mindset. Yeah. Well, and I like, I mean, and I like 
some of them, and I and most of the movies you have chosen haven't been that art for art's sake. They, We've had quite a bit of variety. I yeah, I mean, and so for me, my thing with movies because I appreciate artistry in movies for sure. We, sure, we talk all the time. Our our go to standard beasts of the southern wild. Yeah. Um, but my thing with movies is, at my core, I'm a storyteller. Mm. And and so that's it for me. I want a story told. And this... Oh. And this tells a story. And so my response to this, like, mm-hmm. I was like, am I bored? Like, I was mm. trying to check in. Like, what are my emotions here? And I wasn't mm. bored. I appreciated the artistry of it. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of my comments are about really how beautiful it, it is. It really is. It's stunning. Almost every shot could be a poster. Absolutely. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, and, and how you turn a living human human woman and make her look like a Botticelli painting. Mm-hmm. Like a walking Botticelli. I don't know how you do that, but they did it. Maddie Libatique, yeah. the cinematographer, is one of the like, five best on the planet. He's awesome. But he only does Aronofsky movies. He's done others, but he, he <laughs> but he's done every Aronofsky movie. Yeah, um, and the thing is, I like Requiem for a Dream. You know, it's terrific. That's one of those ones on my list of like I've seen it, but I'll never see it again. <laughs> but it right. also that tells a story. It has it tells a, story. a story. Where this movie, it's so symbolic that it's the kind of movie that, and again, this is Rod has taught me how to watch these kind of movies because a lot of times I watch them and I would feel dumb. Yeah. Because I didn't get it. And I'm watching it going, it's not linear. <laughs> it's not telling a story. And I think of myself as someone, I'm not a genius, but I'm not really dumb either. So I'm kind of an average viewer going, I feel dumb watching this. Therefore, I don't like it. I, but I, I've gotten past that. And yeah. he's kind of taught me how to watch them. And then I was able to enjoy it. But, but I don't like feeling dumb. Yeah. And I'm not laughing because I'm laughing at you. I'm laughing because my partner and I watched it together. And then I was like, fucking Rob. Always chooses these fucking movies where then I gotta spend like 45 minutes online reading somebody's interpretation of it so that I can understand what the fuck I just watched. And and well, and my partner said, he said, I don't think that's the point. Like, he said, that's cheating. And I went, I no, it's not cheating because I don't want to walk into this recording session <laughs> and have Rob go blah, blah, symbols, mm. blah, blah, metaphors, blah, blah, this. And then I'm just like, <laughs> Is that what I, sound like? I was bored. And then I sound dumb. And I'm not dumb. I'm you're one of the smartest people I know. So it's frustrating. I'm so mm-hmm. glad you said that. And I feel like this is a therapy session and, <laughs> and a weight has been lifted. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. Neither of you are dumb. You're both wonderful. <laughs> Thank um, you. And I think that to look up that stuff is kind of cheating and kind of not. In that I think it's important that you bring your own interpretation to yes. it. And then you look, okay, what did other people get out of it? And, that's and you what I then think. amalgamate these into something. Yeah. So the movie very much seems to be about a few... Well, it's worth talking about a few things. Aronofsky says he wrote it in five days. That he just jammed the thing out. Really? Because it would have been way better if he said it did it in six days and then he rested on the Well, seven. what's funny is the original title of the I movie like was was The Sixth Day. Yeah. was the original title of the film. Then he changed it because he thought it was too on the nose. Hmm. Well, okay. I never said what my final emotions were and oh. that's it. This It was so on the nose. This I felt like this was browbeating a message into me, which is why I loved David's haiku yeah. of like, okay, okay, I get it. I agree with that for the first half of the movie, but not for the second half. Oh, God, I feel like the second half was even more so. Really? Because I don't. Okay. I feel like the, the first half is so clearly creation, and it's I feel like uh, Bardem and Lawrence are God and kind of Mother Earth. 
And then Adam and Eve come in. Yeah. And then Cain and Abel commit the murder. Like, it's very plainly, this is what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. But then it gets into other ideas about creation and artistry and how does that work and what do you sacrifice for audience? Yeah. And what's that mean? And while the symbolism is very blatant, what he's getting at is harder for me to nail down. I so so I saw it in two different ways. I saw definitely the biblical stuff. And yeah. so for me the second part of it was very much it was a mixture because it was like the destruction and the violence of the Old Testament. Yeah. Right? Cuz the Old Testament is real violent and awful. Um and but also not so much the New Testament in terms of the events but that you had the Christ figure. Like, for me, in the hmm, second part of the movie, Bardem he, very... He's messianic there. He very much became the Christ figure, and they were, like, setting up churches in his house and worshiping him and taking communion, quite literally. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then all of the fighting that was happening in the house was, to me, what has happened since Christianity became a religion. And it was all the different factions fighting over mm-hmm. time and like i mean concentration camps come on like it was that was so right, i mean that it's the son that the baby's a boy is not yeah. accidental and then and so i i did have that thought on my own and then i read <laughs> i read <laughs> that um some have posited the idea that all of the stuff that happens in the house is like a brief history of human time. Yeah. Um, and that Aronofsky is like a Bill Maher-esque staunch atheist. Um, and so this is kind of him saying religion is bad. But I also felt like he was saying people are bad. <laughs> like, well, that was the other emotion I came out of it with was like, oh my God, this is... Humans are awful. I mean, and I suppose I kind of know that. But I don't doubt that Aronofsky is <laughs> a, a hard atheist. View. But I think Aronofsky has a really interesting relationship with religion because his movie before this was Noah. Yeah. Which is a real interesting look at creation and obligation and what we're beholden to God by. And I mean, really, Aronofsky's a brilliant guy. I don't love everything he's done. But everything he's done is interesting at the very least. Yeah. And there's things for me to look at and talk about and think about in it. Weirdly, this I just found this out recently. You know who his college best friend is? Colson Whitehead, National Book Award winning uh, author of the Underground Railroad. Like the, I just this two dudes who are your jam. Like, two dudes who are my jam. Turns out yeah, they're best friends. That's a dorm room you would like pay. I would anything. give anything to hang out at that like Christmas With a dinner. A couple of toes you would. Oh give my up. god! I a couple. Take a foot. <laughs> Take a whole foot. Um. So here's here's my only problem with the movie. Well, I mm, I don't think it's a masterpiece. I wouldn't say it's a movie everyone needs to like set out to see. I think it's interesting though. I think it's worth. I think in a time when entertainment's so safe and so easy to have a really interesting big challenge, I think is a good thing. My big problem with it though is Jennifer Lawrence. I don't get the appeal to Jennifer Lawrence because she's so young in this. Because she always her, feels so young to me. Well, yeah. here was my interpretation yeah. of, of it, especially that, was if he is this God figure or, or the universe and she's Mother Nature, mm-hmm. in relation, she the Earth is much younger. So that's what I got from that. And, and it's her innocence. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, making her look like a Botticelli, like, the hair... 
was very specific and yeah. very purposeful. Mm-hmm. It's, yes. it's amazing and beautiful, and I was constantly mesmerized by it, mm-hmm. but it's literally the color of um, oh, Jesus, Venus on the Half Shell from mm-hmm. Botticelli's painting. Mm-hmm. It's the same color. It's the same length. Mm-hmm. She puts it up in these immaculate curl thing, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Like, she's supposed to be innocent and nubile and beautiful mm-hmm. and the and I thought it was really interesting like the nubile part in particular because the shape of her body was very weirdly highlighted at sometimes and other mm-hmm. times it's really purposely obscure yes like because yeah. in the nightgown and there's a lot of like shots of her in the see-through nightgown where you can yeah, see it's all her diaphanous and yeah. but I yeah. noticed that but then later of, she's in like box boxy she's clothing. in the boxy stuff when she's be, when they're being invaded yeah. yeah she's when she's free to be herself and she's comfortable yeah she's showing more of her body and skin mm-hmm. and then as the humans come in and they destroy nature and then some of them are painting the room they're going well we're yeah. gonna help yeah so that I'm gonna, was interesting. I'm gonna yeah. fix nature. It's all of the those people who are saying I can have. I'm gonna save the earth, and she's yeah. going, no, just please leave it. Like just let it yeah. be, let it do its thing. And yeah. there's more clothes. So as there's more people, she has more clothes. So she's mm-hmm. trying to protect herself. And then when they're gone, there's less clothes. Yeah, yeah. It's it's an interesting film. Like there's a lot going on in it. It is. I mean, and I, you know, I don't. But but I. <sighs> but here's so going it felt back to, it felt browbeaty to me. It's a bit browbeady. I'll go with you. Like, it is. I think there could be room for more subtlety. Um, I feel like it's two different movies crammed into one in a funny way. Yeah. Um, Back to the Jennifer Lawrence thing just for a second, though. Not only in this movie does she seem too young to me, she always seems too young to me. There's something about her screen persona. I'm sure she's a lovely person. I don't, I'm not saying anything bad about her. Yeah, yeah. But just, I don't get her as an actress. Well, she's it's way. young. She's 27, right? I mean, she's young. Yeah. But they keep casting her in parts where I feel like you'd want an actress that, even if she wasn't number-wise older, she would She would just convey age more. Like when she was in that uh, American Hustle movie, I couldn't buy her for a second. I actually never saw that, but I mean, she thing, she sinks the movie for me with her mm. youth. Like it makes sense for her as Katniss, right? Which was her big sure because she's supposed to be a teenager. Because she's supposed to be mm-hmm. a teenager, and then um, what was it? Silver Linings Playbook. I thought it made sense. Yeah, kind and I of thought for me. I, she was, but but I will say, and I agree with you. She does always feel young, and and her voice is really high pitched. And that's part of it, too. Um, but um, what was it Gloria? Not Gloria. That's Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, the movie where she was the entrepreneur who made this drink. Joy. Joy. Yeah. I thought she was excellent in that. And I actually I really... see it. I, so she's... There's some real depth in that. And the way that okay. she portrays that character. Okay. And that's just... It was a really good movie. I forget who made it, but it was somebody big. David O. Russell. Yeah. I really liked that. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, she's like one of his muses. Yeah. Yeah. Who his... Third movie is still his best movie. He'll never improve on it. Which is? Three Kings. I do like that movie. Oh, that movie's so good. Yeah. God damn, I love that movie. <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, well, here's my question for you, because we're going to zip right through this episode. Would you recommend this movie to Gail? Um, really? We're going to go right there? I mean, I had other well, things Well, you, you wanted say. to like zip right through this. Well, I thought we could do like 40 minutes. Okay. I All just, right. I don't know. I feel well, like what we, else do you want to say about it? Like, I'm in. Well, I mean, because I thought that, like, so one of my biggest complaints was at the end, um, 
Like, I wasn't as bothered by the baby dying and being Mm. eaten as I was by the attack on her. They are both especially... I I mean... And And I felt like it was unnecessary. Hmm. Because the general feeling of the movie was already so violent. Mm -hmm. And this, this, like... Like, we talked about violence and how it is entertaining and it plays its part when it's operatic and this and that. This wasn't operatic to me. This was real and visceral. And it felt like one step too far. And that's when I was like, yeesh. Because it was real rapey. And 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 again, it's because it's it's a metaphor. And so then I was like, oh, geez, really? You're going to like beat me over the head with like practically ripping her breast off? But it's a effective in it like it's it i don't agree that it's unpleasant it's extraordinarily unpleasant yeah but it's meant to be unpleasant it's not it's not meant to be vicarious violence where we're enjoying the violence we're supposed to be appalled by it yeah and therefore it is appalling yeah it just was a step too far for me and it's really a powerfully like technically made thing of how they edit it together to look like one shot when it's clearly not one shot they're adding makeup to her in between and the the movements, how they cut them together, are so violent seeming. It's it's rough. Like it is no joke rough. But it's it's supposed to be, I guess. I don't know. Like I don't disagree, but that's the purpose of it. And I had a dis- at that point in the movie, I was really disconnected from the characters. Mm-hmm. So mm. I didn't find it as disturbing because I didn't care. It was more of a yeah, this is symbolic. Okay, what yeah. what's mm. the symbolism? I was more in my head than in yeah. my heart. They're not and, humans at that point in a way. Yeah, and I thought, okay, what are the, what's what's the message here? Why is this happening? What's mm. the symbolism? What's going on? Okay, and it was more piecing it together mentally, and there wasn't an emotional investment. Yeah. So that helped with because they are disturbing scenes. So it helped as a viewer because I was disconnected from the mm. characters. I. I was never connected to them. I was never invested in them as a character, as characters. Um, but, so I saw it from the religious symbology, like, I, you know, the first thing I thought to myself was, there's a reason we don't read the whole Bible in a two-hour setting. Yeah. Uh, sitting, because, like, it would fuck with your brain the way yeah. that this movie did. Um, but you, Mindy, you kind of took it from the creation point of view. So how, how did you interpret it? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I thought... The religious part, I thought, well, it's so obvious, and and he's so smart with his movies, it can't be that. So I need to look deeper than that. Hmm. So I saw it as, you know, it was this circle, right, where you start off with this crystal, and then I'm watching it going, okay, what what is he really trying to say here? And then it ends with the crystal, so it's a circle, right? And he's a poet. And I thought, well, why did he make him a poet? Is this about us as humans creating, creating art, creating poetry, and the suffering that we have to go through, and the suffering that we watch, and the inspiration that we get from nature. And then as humans, we kill it, and we want we want everyone to feed our ego. Mm-hmm. And so in the process of having our ego fed, we then lose sight of everything and we kill it and then we have to we have to start that cycle again of now I need mm-hmm. I need a new piece now I need to create a new piece of artwork. But I need my inspiration, and I'm going to destroy my, my inspiration, yeah. and then I'm going to start the process over again. So I saw it as not God, but maybe as humans, we try to act as God within our art form. Mm-hmm. And it's like the creative process in general. Yeah, in yeah. general. Yeah. And that I also thought it was interesting that 
the character playing Mother Nature and the house representing Mother Nature, and she never left the house. Yeah. And so she was always in the house, mm-hmm. and so the nature was always in this one spot, but then knew what was coming mm-hmm. and, and tried to block it. Okay, I'm going to drink this potion, God, even though I'm I... I'm really wondering what that was about. Yeah, and I don't know what that oh, meant. That was killing me. What's the I've potion? Seen, I Is saw it... some theories, but I don't buy them. The, like, turmeric powder or whatever mm-hmm. it Is it was. Mother Nature saying... Okay, I'm gonna. I know what's coming, and I'm gonna try to slow this down. Maybe if I drink this, it can slow mm-hmm. down this process because it's coming. Yeah, my destruction's coming. And then at the end, you know, even her saying, "Don't do it again. Just let me go." Mm-hmm. And it's so painful to go through mm-hmm. that life cycle. Yeah. <laughs> it's. I'm, I'm not laughing at your theory. I'm laughing at the shrug you just did. Get um. I saw I saw I, both I, of the things. I saw well, that it was I, about the artistic process and perhaps talking about the artistic process through this biblical language. When I read things people talking about it's about the process of trying to get a film made. I read people saying it's really about his divorce. You know, and like, I re- I read those too and I really wanted, I don't buy them. I yeah, I really wanted it to not be those because I don't think it is. in my head I'm like no, Aronofsky, the guy who made all these other things that feels too simple and yeah. trite to me. Like, your first movie is about your divorce. You know? Like, right. it's, it's not yeah. right. after a, you've won a category. He's a very Awards. sophisticated man. Yeah, I don't... It That didn't... Yeah. Yeah, he's... Well, this year's the 20th anniversary of Pi, his first film. Do you know that I've actually never seen that? <laughs> I know. I know. What? I know. I think it's I've so good. seen part of it. It's, it's terrific. Yeah. I it's watch so it. good. Yeah. So we'll have to do some sort of math pairing at some point. I mean, Ooh. or pie. Oh my god, have you ever seen the waitress? The waitress. This is a movie. Yeah, and then they made a Broadway musical out of it. I have not seen. Okay, this. we have to do pie and the waitress. Okay, we will. Because it's all about pies. <laughs> Fair enough. I, you know, Melissa <laughs> only warned during that whole episode. Cherry oh, pie. Terrible. Yeah. Well, it's really you know. bad. So actually, I'm gonna ask Mindy, mm-hmm. honey, would you recommend this movie to Gail? Hmm. To my mom. Yeah. Hmm. Who she's met twice. Would you recommend this to Amy's mom? Yeah, I've met Gail twice. I would say yes. I'm going to recommend it to her because of her theater background. Um, And I'm curious to know if she would see it as a creative process or kind of an overdone religious. You know what's interesting with you saying that is I thought this would be interesting to put on as a play. It's limited in sets. I think you could do it. Oh, yeah. And it'd be I a really so. interesting and visceral thing to see on stage. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't really recommend tense. it to her and say, hey, you and Amy should watch this together and you're going to bond and you're going to have <laughs> <laughs> I would say you should see this from an artistic standpoint and let us know what you think. All right. Amy, are you going to recommend it to your mom? Well, see, these are hard things because she's already seen it. Well, she, right, I but she, she needs saw, to stop doing that because it hurts the premise of the well, show. Well, no, no, I think she saw it in the theater because oh. my mom loves horror movies, and we talked about how this movie was misadvertised and mispromoted. Yeah, it as is a, not a horror movie. As a horror movie. And it's horrific at moments, yeah. but it's not a horror movie. So if I recall, she went into it thinking it was going to be a horror movie and then was kind of bored by it. Sure. Um, and it, honestly, I think she was with her buddy, who I texted her this morning and said that her and her best friend are like um, Olympia Dukakis and Shirley MacLaine in Steel wow. Magnolias. <laughs> and she went, wow, which one am I? Um, 
And so I was nice and said not Weezer. Um, but the... Because she is Weezer? Is that what you're saying here? I think they trade off. Okay. All right. Um, but I think they might have walked out. Because I think the friend wow. might have. But I can't remember. Because um, it is a movie where I feel like if you don't sit all the way through, it's not going to... But also, if you go in expecting one thing and this is what you get, you would totally walk out. Yes. Totally. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so, no, I think I would, but had she not seen it, I would recommend it to her very similarly to what Mindy said. In, in a, a, like, you should check this out. Tell me what you think about it. Let's have a conversation about it. Yeah. Um, so ultimately my top three things, um, the effects were amazing mm-hmm. and just like generally the film was beautiful and stunning and visually very interesting and stimulating. Mm-hmm. It, it was clear that nothing was done without a purpose. Um, the, in particular, the blood on the light bulb scene. Yeah. Um, I really, I actually watched it like three times. I really enjoyed yeah. that imagery and yeah. it was a neat, it was it was moving, but I didn't feel like I was getting hit over the head by it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Michelle Pfeiffer just being awful. She's terrific in this. She's great. She's wonderful. I, I don't understand. I'm guessing it's by choice why she doesn't do more work. I mean, financially, I'm sure she, she she's probably David and Kelly. They have all the money on the planet. Well, just wait till you see Ant-Man and Wasp. All those Alan McBeal checks coming in still. Wah, wah, Alan McBeal checks. For Michelle Pfeiffer? Yeah, her husband's David E. Kelly. He oh, yeah, that's All those right. shows. Well, you'll be pleasantly surprised with Ant-Man and Wasp. I heard she's in it. Yeah. So I'm happy about that. She's great. She needs to come back. She's so awesome. Have you seen Frankie and Johnny? Way back in the day. Okay, because that's on my list. Okay. That's on our list. I don't remember it. I remember I she's movie. in it. That was one of the VHS tapes that was right next to our VHS tape of... Steel Magnolias. Well... And thus was one of the movies I've seen way more times than you ought to. Oh, this movie, Steel Magnolias. Let's start off with Steel Magnolias. I'm going to be so upset if you didn't like it. Oh, well. it's I, I'm not going to be <laughs> I'm super here. mean. I'm here, Amy. I'm not going to be super mean. I'm going to be a little mean. It's hard to be mean. Well, yeah. Okay, so... <laughs> here's, here's my uh, haiku for it. Lady Hair Salon, Friends, Family, Weddings... Births, diabetes kills. That's not that's not accurate. That's pretty good. Let's hear yours. Okay, I have mine too. Six southern women in salon, gossip, bond, death. Five women live on. Ooh. We like that. Thank that's you. Very poetic. Thanks. Sorry, Rob. Wow. All right. I feel like there was a real uh, jab there. So, Steel Magnolias is the story of indeed these six southern women. Uh, five kind of peers, uh, well, four peers, and then yeah, no, and then in. daughter of one and kind of the apprentice to another. Yeah, um, I don't remember anyone's names in this fucking movie. I will. I'm gonna to refer help. to them all as the actresses involved. Well, that's right. I gave so you, it's on the I know list. that's why I'm doing it though. So Sally Field, Dolly Parton, Shirley MacLaine, Olympia Dukakis, and Dolly Parton. I'm sorry, Sally Field, Dolly Parton, Shirley MacLaine. Olympia Dukakis are the main ladies involved in all this. They're the, the peer group of friends. Dolly Parton runs a beauty shop where they all kind of hang out and gossip and talk. The new kind of girl in town is Anel, played by Daryl Hannah. Which I think this was her, like, return after years out of the film. It couldn't have been that long. I mean, it was 89, 89. So I think, and Splash was like 84. 
four, and there's a couple of things around there, okay. but I think she had taken a few years off, and we hadn't seen her for a while, okay. and then she came back, because I, I want to say I saw this in the theater, and I remember all of us kind of going like, hey, it's the girl from Splash, and being excited that Daryl Hannah was back. <laughs> sure. All right. So. Um, she was great in this. She's fine. It did make me laugh that her like nerdy outfits are all hipster outfits now. Oh, I know, totally. It made me laugh. I mean, everything she's wearing is supposed to be not cool. I was like, the, you'll see that outfit in Williamsburg right this moment. Um, then Julia Roberts is the daughter of Sally Field. Uh, Julia Roberts is playing Shelby. Shelby has now. This is coming from a place of of ignorance. I'm really asking here. Is this what diabetes is like? I, I had that thought too that when she has this her, seems real when extreme. she has her fit in the yeah yeah um, so I don't know but the I did read the playwright he based this on his, his sister. sister and yeah. her struggles and her death so presumably yeah kind of okay so I mean just think about like to put it in, it's a, in, it's really light to say it this way but you know we have the societal joke of being hangry right so and like the jokes about you know, sorry for the things I said when I was hungry. Like, we, we are all affected emotionally by low blood sugar and things like that. This is that to the nth degree. And actually, we have... It's like seizure-inducing. Well, and you and mm-hmm. I know somebody. We have a friend in common who mm-hmm. has diabetes yeah. to the point where he passes yeah. out and yeah. crashes cars and, and falls through... right. I'm not. I'm you not. Know, I'm not so, making light of the. No, but I had the question the condition. too. I had the question too. But I just wonder how much of it is exaggerated for the show. Probably some. Um, so but I also think you know this is based on his sister who died in '85, and who knows what was going on medically then with exactly. someone who had diabetes compared to now. Yeah, we've, all fair. We've made a ton of of. Um, progress with diabetes, but really it's been in the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it's, oh my God. Let's get back to this plot. You started it. You're right. You that doesn't change anything. <laughs> We're just answering your question. I, thank you, honey. All right. So, <laughs> there's, um, so these women, the, the movie revolves around a handful of major holidays and what they're all doing during those holidays. It's, um, I wrote it down. Yeah, I, mean, I can't remember the order. I know which so, ones they are. Easter, Christmas, 4th of July, and Halloween, and then Easter again. Okay. So we check in with these people during these key moments of their lives. The first one is coinciding with Shelby's wedding. Mm-hmm. Shelby's getting married to young Dylan McDermott, who's, as you were saying, looking very soft, I think was your word. What? But you use it nice, like his soft face. Isn't that what you said? Like, just, I'll use the word again, nubile. Just, like, young nubile. and, All like, right. oh. just, yeah, Creepy. just real young and, like, baby-faced and All right. hairless. Oh, you say that so grossly. I, you made me. <laughs> I didn't. It's, it's like Humbert Humbert sitting here. Is it Lolita? It's talking about Dylan McDermott. Um... They're getting. Hey, a, Mindy, is that one of those things he says where then you feel stupid? <laughs> what? No. <laughs> it's on the list of several things. That's not. Oh, you're both and then you go, oh man, he did that on purpose. No, and then I go, what? come here, Google, and I look it up <laughs> on the phone. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about this conversation. Um, oh, good. Now you know what we're experiencing. <laughs> well, sure. So they're getting ready for the wedding. The all-star, the MVP of this movie... 
uh-huh. is helping get ready for the wedding by shooting blanks in the trees to scare away the birds. Tom Skerritt playing Sally Field's husband. Holy shit, am I glad he's in this movie. That is not who I thought you were going to say was the MVP. Oh, Tom Skerritt's absolutely the MVP of this Is movie. it only because he looks like your dad? He looks weirdly <gasps> like my dad. Holy crap, he does look like your yeah, dad. Yeah, he looks just like my dad. Mm-hmm. And then when he's barking, that's my favorite. It yeah. was your dad. Yeah. It's very weird. Looks just like my dad. Because um, I think the best, absolute best part of this movie is Shirley MacLaine. She's great, but partly because they're great when the two of them are interacting. I would say that's actually the best. Is yeah. their them interacting. Friend and friendship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> the movie is about her wedding, but then it's a but it's not really about Shelby and Shelby's relationship. It's about all these women who hang out together but don't seem to they have a, a care for one another, but in many ways they don't seem to like one another all that much. Particularly with the um, uh, Louisa character, the Shirley MacLaine character. Say it properly. It's Weezer. Weezer. Well, her name is Louisa, but then they call her Weezer. But only the dude that's in love with her calls her that. Oh, that guy's the other MVP of the movie. No way! <laughs> that dude's amazing. That <laughs> yeah, dude's awesome. Rob liked him. I like that dude. Um, Weezer. Okay, so we go through the changes in these, these people's lives. They get married. They party. There's marital struggles for people. Uh, there's new relationships. There's pregnancies. Uh, there's a birth. And then... It's not a spoiler, spoiler for a movie this old that everyone kind of knows what happens. Yeah. The Julia Roberts character dies from complications of her diabetes. From the kidney transplant. She rejected her mother. Like, could you have right. to include that? Her mother gave her one of her kidneys. Right. And then her body rejected it. Right. Um, and then the kind of the life goes on seems yeah. to be a big part of this. Yeah. We all continue on. It's going to be fine. And the Daryl Hannah character is now going to have a baby yeah. The ne- that next Easter, she starts to have a baby. And so it seems like... Interesting that it's Easter. Yeah. So I guess mm-hmm. everything's okay? I don't know. It's, it's a little weird in its messaging at the end there. But none of that is why I have a problem with it. I'm going to go with all of it. Snappy women being snappy together. Great. I, got, I feel like the playwright got all of those great lines. Like, somebody in his family owns a hair salon, and he just spent his life sitting in the hair salon listening to these women talk to each other. Well, there's there's a few problems with this. Because there's some lines in it that are amazing. There's some, but they're all <laughs> delivered with such capital A acting. I think that plays usually don't work very well as movies, and this would be a prime example You of can it. feel that it was a play. Oh, my God. And every single one is like, here's my big line I'm going to deliver, and everyone pauses. So you can hear the line really land, and then they all take in the line. And there's almost the pauses for the audience to laugh. It's real weird capital A acting stuff. It feels very artificial as a result. Have you ever been around Southern people? I'm from New Orleans. (laughs) Sort of. (laughs) My Um, boyhood was there. I See, I don't feel like it's off. Like, I think about, again, a, a mutual colleague that you and I have who is Southern and, you know, when she is ticked off at you in the most Southern way possible, she'll say, she'll pause to make sure you're paying attention. But this, this is and not And then that. you get the, well, bless your heart. That is, this is and not that. And she's capital A There's a acting. difference between <laughs> careful emphasis in something and, oh my God, let's put on an acting display. And that's what this very plainly is. And I'm okay and it with rings that. real hollow for me as a result. Yeah, I think it's fine. I think, you know, it's it's written by a man who is interpreting mm, yeah. 
interpreting his mother's relationship with her friends and writing about his experience of losing his sister to diabetes. And I think it was a very, probably therapeutic experience for him and he's relaying things from his perspective. And I'm not from the South, I couldn't be further from that in the way I was brought up. But, you know, to me, watching it, it's fun. It's a fun play. I have great memories. Same mm. as Amy, I have this amazing memory of it was the first movie that my mom invited me to to go see with her and her friends. Wow. And it was mm. a movie about women who are friends yep. and a woman who loses her daughter and I'm watching it with my mom. So I have all these emotional links to it yep. and I thought for what it is, a movie about women in the South that was a play that was turned into a movie, that's what it is, and that's how the acting is, and I was okay with it. Okay, does it bother anyone that these women are all racist? I was looking for it. Uh, it's definitely there. Here's how. Hmm. The, their servants are all black. I didn't, at the wedding, there's the two black guests, but there are multiple people in full Confederate soldier outfits at the wedding. Okay. They, weren't, they weren't black. And there's... And there were, I didn't think there was work. any black people. There, there were. There, there's there people were some, working in the house. There were some black guests. Um, I didn't see anybody working in the house. It's at the very mm-hmm. beginning when she, when uh, Mary Tyler Moore is getting everything, or Mary Sally Tyler Field. Moore. Moore. <laughs> it matters. They're kind of the same. Not name. that girl. <laughs> uh, Sally Field, nice. Uh, <laughs> Sally Field's getting everything right to the house. She's upset about the glasses. Everyone working in the house is black. Okay. And there's Confederate stuff. Everywhere in this movie. Okay, but you are talking about a parish in Louisiana in 1989. These are old money people. Like, that doesn't... That they exist in the society that they exist in doesn't make them okay. racist. Does it make like, them less charming? You, you, can't, you can't hold against people, fictional characters, a system that has been around that is going to make your service industry employees very often people of color. We live in a community where our service industry employees are primarily Latino. Does that make you and me racist? No. Because I go to a hotel and have the person who cleans the room when I'm done is Latino? This is a fictional portrayal of things. They can choose how the movie looks and how things are portrayed. Right up until you make it unrealistic. Do not... Is it not that way in the South in 1989? No, it totally was. Yeah, so I think that's so, what was going so on there. You, I mean, you it's literally... me in the movie. You, you want to, like... So wait, um, like, you want to change history to make you more comfortable with it. That's not what I'm saying here at all. Okay, then what are you I'm saying? I'm just wondering if it caused you any feelings of discomfort while watching it in 2018. The Confederate soldier stuff did, but then I also think about being in South Carolina and Georgia, Anderson, Georgia, Podunk, Anderson, Georgia, in 2006 at a barbecue with many white people but also some people of color and there was a confederate flag up on the wall and nobody seemed to have a problem with it is that a good thing am i going to put a confederate flag up in my house absolutely not do i recognize that it happens yes it does okay um i feel like in a weird way there's not a I lot for me to say about this movie if you remade the movie now would you include those Ooh, things speaking of no you would there is another version of this movie that i all that i was tempted to watch instead there's an all african-american version of this movie interesting which i would love to watch now the 
the movie, I, I spent very little time looking at it. Uh, I saw the poster and that was about it. I didn't recognize any of the names in it. it looks like it was pretty low budget production. But the idea of this being an all African American cast is way more interesting to me. Of that kind of, I don't know. There's there's something very. I feel like that'd be a real interesting interpretation of this. I, I really okay. like that idea of this a lot. So the idea of the black women bonding in the salon, you would watch versus the white woman, women. Um, I feel like some of the the verbal. Not on not on basis of race, mm-hmm. but because the verbal rhythms of this are so off because it's so actory. I wonder if a different set of rhythms would suit this dialogue better. Something that has a little more snap to it. Now that's not race defined. That's just a matter of would a current version that's delivered with a little more oomph be more compelling for me? Hmm. So because I couldn't care it, about any characters. It might be more of, like the, of the actor, 1989 actor. element is what throws you off, and the the big the big over the top acting, the era it mm-hmm. was created in. Those seem to be the things that are bothering you. Is that correct? Sure. Okay. Yeah, more or less. Amy does not approve. Of any <laughs> I of don't because and. Because this is one of those situations where, no offense, but I don't think that you're equipped to enjoy this movie. So is this a movie only for women? I think this is a movie primarily for women. Because, or, or, and that's not true, because it certainly, it's done, it's done Because in the plenty, I understand there are no men. There aren't. Um, And there, and there have been... You know, and when I did theater, like, I hoped and wished I would have a chance to play any one of these characters. Because mm. it would be so much fun. Like, how much fun would portraying Weezer be? Um, but I, you know, it has done many runs on Broadway. They just revitalized it, I think, two years ago. It was a smash hit. And certainly those audiences are not filled with just women. But, yeah. um... I feel you- like this would be better as the stage play, though. I haven't seen the stage play. I think it would... I, th- I think it would, but here's the thing. This is another one of those situations, and when I say you're not equipped, I'm not just talking about below the belt. I'm talking about your life experience in that mm-hmm. you didn't watch this when you were a kid. No, and, I did see it when I was a kid. I just don't remember it. Okay, so it, it didn't land okay. for you. It didn't no. connect in no. the way that we have seen it multiple times. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a special event. It wasn't your mom taking you out to to watch it you know like so we have that emotional connection i think but also yeah i think this is a movie about women and about the strength of women um and how their strength comes from the people around them whether that's family or friends so here's where i'm gonna get where i'm gonna be sort of gross and like fancy um, gross and fancy, <laughs> like you, like you. Yeah, yeah. I'm gross and fancy. When you do like Melita Umber Umber, or what? was any of that a word? Yeah, I don't know. Melita Umber Umber. <laughs> yeah, that's what you sound what like. Was that? That's a good what impression is that? of yourself. What you said earlier that I said made us feel dumb. Oh, Humber Humber. Yeah, yeah. I was saying it French. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's French. Humber Humber. That's a dumb name. It's it's from Lolita by. Lolita. I know. Okay. I know. I'm confused. <laughs> okay. Here's where I went to this with this. Because she sits there, they turn the machine off on Shelby uh-huh. um, when there's no hope left, and she doesn't cry. 
she sits there and she listens to the heart monitor stop or go into the one long continuous beep. No, it doesn't because the alarms are off. It's silent. Oh, that's right. Scene, which sad. was really interesting. Well, and I wrote down that in that part that there was no musical score. And in fact, there was kind of a lack of a musical score. Yeah, it's very quiet. That which I miss that. I Speaking miss of, Mother doesn't movies. have any music in it. Yes. And that was added to yeah. its eeriness. But yeah. I miss quiet movies. Like, everything has a score now. And and I, I've talked about this before. I hate when music is used to manipulate you. Because mm. I, I feel like that's unfair. Agreed. Mm. Um, 100%. And, like, that's why I hate Titanic. Because everyone's going to cry. There's lots of reasons to hate Titanic. Well, but that's the big one. Because everyone will cry when there's an Irish flute. Like, it wasn't actually sad. I mean, right. it's sad. Like, people died in the Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> It was really sad. We died on the Titanic. It's and terrible. Was music. Okay. Anyway, um, so she she just lost her firstborn, her only daughter, right? The mother of her only grandchild. She walks out into the waiting room, and everyone's ready to react and hold her and support her. And she says, "Call Clary. We got to get the such and such mortuary. They're the best. And you got to call the funeral." And then she turns to the husband, who's just lost his new bride essentially of two years yeah and says you need to get her pink suit the one with the cherries on it on the lapels like she is handling stuff right and Mm -hmm. so and i recognize that that's a stereotype and i know that in our culture we hold mothers up sometimes to an impossible standard and that can be problematic however what where my brain went to was everything that i know of mothers and everything that i know of and not to say that fathers don't have this or men don't have this. My only experience is as a woman. But, like, I think about, and I'm not a mother, but I think about, um, so I'm a fainter, right? And and um, I took these kids out on a, you know, clean the side of the freeway fundraiser or mm-hmm. whatever. And um, one of my students, straight up cartoon style, stepped on a rake. And it came, it's okay, laugh. It was funny. Um, <laughs> came up and smashed her in the forehead, right? Wow. Yeah, and and so just blood dripping down her face, horrible, gross, you know. And I reacted, you know, perhaps in a human way, you know, by nature of me being a woman, I would say it was a maternal, you know, lift a car up kind sure. of reaction. Went over, you know, we were out in the middle of the desert, found water bottles, cleaned her up, butterflied her face. I don't have medical training. A butterfly her face, you know, got it so she was fine. She ended up not even having a scar. I was pretty impressed with myself. And then <laughs> she, I was like, you okay? She said, I'm okay. She walks away. I collapsed into the van and passed out the minute she was safe and okay and out of it. So, so this is what I'm just saying. And again, this that's a human behavior, mm-hmm. but we tend to celebrate it in mothers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's a sexist thing because we're celebrating in mothers because there's the other side of it, which is, oh, women are so petite and frail and blah, blah, blah. But we know that women are badasses. And, and so, but I think that a lot of that comes from having your friends behind you, right? And so when the, the freak out at the funeral, which is the most amazing thing and like it's, Sa- uh, Sally it's so Field good, is so except, good. Except it all feels like capital A acting to no. me. Yeah. No, not that scene. Absolutely. The first half of it does. Second half is better. First half of it really did to me. No. Not when she's going back and forth between like sad and frantic and angry and hiccup and ugly cry and that no, that's I have been in that state. Well no, I I understand. But So where I went to 
with it uh-huh. is just the strength of women, right? She's okay. She, and where I went to in my head because it's one of my favorite pieces of writing ever mm-hmm. is Rose of Sharon in East of Eden when she talks about the strength of women, and mm-hmm. she says the reason God made women mothers is because they can handle the pain and they don't dwell on it. They can handle the pain of childbirth and they can handle the pain of losing a child. Men couldn't handle it. They would shut down. They would fall apart. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, a, it's a really amazing paragraph, obviously, because it has stuck with me. I haven't read East... I read East of Eden when I was 16. Mm-hmm. I haven't reread it. Um, and that... What Rosa Sharon says about women and their strength has always stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Um, because... I can't even imagine being a like the you guys you guys talk about the the magic of being a parent blows my mind away. I don't know how anybody would ever do it because the risk seems so extraordinary to me. But I think there's something a little extra when that body came out of you. Mm-hmm. Now I'm hearing I'm hearing two different things, which I could be wrong, but I'm just going to point out mm-hmm. that you know Amy and I are more saying we we see this movie and we relate to it and we're women and I'm a mother and this and whole we thing. connect to it. And you're saying, yeah, that's great. I get that. And I'm a human and I'm a father and I have feelings. But the acting just, it's <laughs> blocking me from yeah. connecting to the characters and caring enough to cry and to feel the emotions. So there are two separate conversations happening here yeah. of... Amy's saying, this is the storyline, and this is how I relate to it. And you're saying, yeah, I get the storyline, but the acting is stopping me from getting there. Yep. Yeah. Which is my thing with, with like, with Commando, or what all the time you tease me for being the logic police. There are times that I can't engage in whatever the thing is that you love about one of the movies we're watching, and thus my brain just sits there and picks out all the errors. Well, and I'm not picking out errors. It's... No, but I'm saying that's my version of that. I guess. I mean, it's... Because if I can't engage I don't in it, have I'm just like, gonna, it's like counting the hats in church, you know? I, I, I don't have strong mm-hmm. objections to this movie. I, of but course not. But she didn't cry. Nope. And I'm a crier. But I called him on this because he said the same thing to me. Because I said, okay, we're going to watch this together. You know, I'm going to cry because I cry every single time. I, like, <laughs> I could cry just right now thinking about it. I know. And he said, oh, I'm a crier, you know, I'm okay, like, we can sit together. And I said, no, 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 honey, you're not going to cry. Because any movie that is set up like this where other people cry, you don't because you're watching it from such a critical lens that you're only seeing the structure of the movie and the movies that then you tell me you cry every time. I'm watching it and I'm not connecting with it because I'm too busy feeling dumb to care about (laughs) the characters enough to cry. So... You know, I so I called it because you're really you watch movies from su- such a technical aspect, whereas most people are watching it from an emotional and different aspect of just an experience. Okay, no, no, am I wrong? No, you're not. But here's where I think my point is made. What's the thing that you said makes you cry every time that our friend Daniel made fun of you for on the internet? Uh, uh self-sacrifice. What is the specific... Specifically Independence Day when Randy Quaid mm. flies his plane up into the alien laser beam and says, tell my kids I love them. A father. God damn it. A father. So I don't te- think it's gender. Mm. I think it's gendered. I don't think it's gendered. Mm. I really don't. Mm. What are some other movies you've cried at? 
Were they there men? are so oh, yeah. many. The other one, the one that I'm thinking of, oh, I can never remember the name of it. It all has the pretty Robbie shots in it. The pretty the, Robbie shots! The stand, I always call it the wrong name. The Tree of Life? No, not the Tree of Life. It's a, That's one of them. The stand. Oh, uh, the, the fall. Fall, yeah. Yeah, and that guy, it's that. a, it's a, it's a man and a young girl, mm-hmm. and then you cry. Yeah, there's lots of movies to cry at. I know, but I'm saying it's a male. But figure. I think I think it's more and that it's self sacrifice and things like that is where where there's a nobility in the choice. Um, those are things that tend to get me more than someone dying in a movie. Um, but you know, I I don't think it's a bad movie. I think it's it's fine. I think it's aged a little weirdly. It made me laugh that Julia Roberts has the same haircut she did as Tinkerbell and Hook. I think they did it at the same time. Well, it is not good. Wait, isn't it a wig? It's totally a wig yeah. at the end, but that's a wig. But I think it was a wig and Hook too. Maybe it was an ugly. Terrible I, it's wig. terrible. It's it made me worse. laugh. Yeah, um, especially someone who is a fan of short hair. I thought, right. okay, you're gonna give her short hair, and that's the short hair you're gonna give her. Okay, some other things to talk about in this real quick that I just want to throw out there. Owen Jenkins, Shirley MacLaine's beau is fantastic. He made me laugh so hard. His weird little hand gestures he would do whenever yeah. looking at her, fantastic. His slick down hair. That guy mm-hmm. plays that little mousy dude in like whatever he's in. He's amazing. I love him so much. Um, up until Shelby dies, where's the conflict in the story? It, There's none. But it's not, okay. But, it, but all stories need conflict. That's what no. makes for drama. Okay, I'll tell you what it is. When she... It's made very clear in the beginning she's not supposed to have children. Halfway through, she announces she's having a kid, and when she's fighting with her... Oh, man. I was so ready for that scene of, oh, she shouldn't be having a kid, she's having a kid, mom's nervous, and then complications. Like, a scene of complications, but instead just, now there's a baby. Well, because if you notice, though, they didn't show any of the big things. They didn't show the wedding. They didn't show the baby being born. They didn't right. show the funeral. But isn't that... Be- because it's not about those moments. It's but about... there's no conflict in the movie. Okay, here it is. She says... The conflict is we know she's going to have a baby. And halfway through it, when her and her mom are having the fight about the baby, she says, I would rather have 30 minutes of wonderful than a lifetime of nothing special. Yeah. At that moment... It is clear she's going to die, and right. so then we're just waiting for it to happen. And but but it doesn't. Mm-hmm. The conflict is between the mother and the daughter. Yeah, and the mother mm-hmm. and the mother saying to her daughter, "Who I have a daughter, and I love you so much. Don't have a baby, even though I understand that having a baby is the greatest thing in the world. But you are my baby, I and know, I don't yeah. want to lose you. But she's saying I want to experience this wonderful. I don't mm-hmm. care if it kills me." So there, your conflict is between the mother and the daughter, and then you have her support system is her friends, knowing okay, so that, that that's where that conflict is. Would this is. movie be better if, or would I, would 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 we be more, well, I guess, hell, I've kind of answered my question already, because <laughs> you two are already very much involved in it, I am not. I'm wondering if I would be more involved in the movie if, like, I don't have to worry about Anel's marriage. Right? Does the character of Anel add anything to this fucking yes. movie? Yes. She is showing the changing of the seasons mm-hmm. and how people change with the seasons. I'd rather and have time with that mother-daughter relationship. Hmm. But, but I feel a, like but it's, it's a, an ensemble story. <laughs> Sorry, I'm letting both of you like, but women stuff. But, <laughs> but ladies. <laughs> but we gotta talk about lady friendships. That's Just the listen. thing. But that's, you're, I mean, we're making fun of it, but that is what it is. And, mm-hmm. and, and the thing is, is this isn't necessarily... 
a plot driven movie it's a, a plot driven story or excuse me a narrative driven story it's Definitely a, not. it's a character study right and so you like art for art's sake and i think that sometimes movies and plays are just character studies i thought i'd turn that off um and and that's okay too and and these women are all really important because anel's life yeah she shows the say she shows the changing of the seasons she also shows a different route that shelby could have gone in because they're roughly the same age mm -hmm. and um you know it's like sliding doors kinds of thing and then there's also dolly parton dealing with her husband who who's clearly dealing with depression mm -hmm. right and so and then you've got weezer telling her story of marrying the two most useless men and having the three most ungrateful children who ever were conceived blah 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 so it's it's about again i i really think that the i the playwright sat in a beauty parlor when he was a kid and just absorbed all these women. And we have other movies that do that too, where it's an ensemble story and the conflict isn't really the issue. Well, it's the relationship. You know what? And unrelated to this, I, I saw it unrelated, but <laughs> I don't like Robert Altman movies very much. Oh, see, I do. See, and Robert Altman's are just this of people in a room talking, not much going on, but we're just going to talk. How do you not like Robert Altman movies? I know I'm supposed to like Altman, yeah. and I just can't. I find his movies visually muddy and boring. I feel like nothing ever happens in them. Because you like art for art's sake, and I we like stories. But there is no story in Altman movie. There's no story. You just said yourself, there's no real story in this. It's just ladies talking. But but the story of that relationship is the story. And in an Altman movie... Okay, there, there's no per narrative. Perhaps, exactly. Okay, I want narrative. I like cheese, man. <laughs> Me too. And I um, also see like, like in a Robert Alvin movie, the story is maybe the story of a two-minute interaction. It's anecdotes. Anecdotes are fun too. And but when they're, they're not movies. Yeah, but they can be. But they're not. No, they can't. That's so you're why basically a movie circling. Is more than two you're long. circling back to your same argument though of this is a play and I'm not enjoying it because it's the structure of a play and I'm watching it as a movie and that kind of ruins it for you. It's uh, a couple of things, because plays can certainly have narrative thrust to them. I thought there was a real irony that Sam Shepard's in this, and yeah. his thing as a playwright is deeply dysfunctional Southern families. Yeah. You, which, I love his plays. Like, right behind us here on the shelf is my Sam Shepard collection. Um, I well, love him. And I'm going to guess that, um, what was his name, Bob, Bob the director, Herbert, Herbert Ross. Ross. I'm going to guess he... He put Sam Shepard in the movie because of that, and because like it's funny. And and when you look at Herbert Ross's um, filmography, which I had to like cut massive parts out of it because the dude, he did a ton of movies. I only left the movies in. I took out the movies where he was the choreographer yeah. and all. I mean, because the guy had a heck of a a career. But when you look at some of these, I mean, th these are. They're about relationships. They're about moments. They're, you know, My Blue Heaven doesn't have much of a... Uh, I, I love, love that movie. I love that movie. But it's about the relationship between these two guys. But there's a story in it. There's sure. conflict. Yeah. Soap what Dish. Is this? Same thing. There's a story. Soap Dish is just about relationships in this topsy-turvy world of being in uh, soap operas, you know? But there's... Boys on the Side. Yeah, I never saw that one. Yeah, you don't need to. I don't want to. Protocol. Like, so, there's a story okay. that I love protocol. I get, and on a couple notes for this. Okay. Um, you like one. Pollock paintings. 
I do like Pollock paintings. Me too. Well, and I do too, but I'm like, if we're going to make like an art analogy, like you are. There's no subject. You like Pollock and I would prefer a comic book. (laughs) I mean, that's not truth, but. (laughs) But you're going to use it anyway? I'm just saying that's what this boils down to. You like art for art's sake and I. I like, I also suggested Commando for us. That's true. So, all right, a couple things. That I wrote down in my notes. What does it say about me in our times that hospital scenes always make me think about insurance coverage? Every time. Every time I'm watching a scene in hospital now, I'm like, boy, I hope they have good insurance. I know. <laughs> Every time I, I think know. that. What's I actually, wrong with me? I had that thought too. It made me crazy that I was thinking <laughs> I know. it. Um, it's so odd. So I did like it when he signs the papers for his wife's life support to be shut off. That was like really moving to me, actually. I've never seen that moment in a movie before. But she didn't cry. But did you more more relate to it because it was the the young husband? I well, and I wondered about that. Would I care about this movie more if there was anything about their marriage? Mm-hmm. There's nothing about their relationship in this movie. There's one little blip, which is that they she Shelby infers that know. she wants to have a child to save and the marriage. I, I understand that this is an ensemble piece. I do. Yeah. But I don't really know ultimately who the movie's about. I guess about the Sally Field character. It does. It's about all of them. But it's not. Yeah, it is. It can't can't be. There's not room for that. Why? There's not space enough for it. We watched it. If it was a miniseries, it could be. Yeah, it was a two-hour movie. And there wasn't room for it to really be about all these characters. Okay, anyway. Oh, speaking of miniseries, it made me laugh thinking that maybe, because the timelines would match up, in the background, True Detective Season 1 is happening. And I thought someone should do a mashup editing together True Detective Season 1 with this. That'd make me really happy. Um, you watched True Detective Season 1, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Okay, I'm just going to go to three things I like best. Olympia Dukakis is okay. number one. She's so good. She's terrific in this. She's great. She's way too theatery, and she's way too, like, clearly a New Yorker trying to do a Southern accent. So hers was the only... Her Southern accent is terrible. Hers was the only one that I was bothered by. It's that I bad. felt was a capital A acting because there is so much New York and Olympia Dukakis that she can't control it. Yeah, she can't. <laughs> like, it's it very... just leaks out. But, but She herself is charming, but she can't help but be yes. New York actress during all this. But I... Wait a minute. Are you naming the three things you liked and that one has a like a backhanded compliment to the three things you like? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, just make right, it I'll sure. go more sincere with the next one. Tom Skerritt. Tom Skerritt's terrific. Yep. I love Tom Skerritt. And I'm embarrassed to admit... I bet he it. takes the dishes out of the sink before he takes a piss. Uh, there's that. He, um... <laughs> That's one of my favorite lines. When I yeah. saw the movie when I was a kid, when he got the slice of armadillo that was the butt, and he said, nothing like a nice piece of ass, when I was a kid, I laughed at that line thinking like, ha it's a butt. Yeah. And then when I watched this, I went, oh, that is a very dirty joke, he says to her. <laughs> and I was then very pleased. So that was nice for me. Um, there's that. And then I had a third... I'll just make it Shirley MacLaine. Shirley MacLaine's great in it. She's so fantastic. She's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do want the t-shirt that says I slapped Weezer Boudreaux. There's there's so many to select from on the internet. I was surprised. No, here's... And this is a real question for Like, me. actually, part of me wants to tattoo it on myself, except that I have a no-text rule, so... How many people do you think, when you're walking down the street wearing that shirt, would understand it? It wouldn't matter because the ones that would, we would become instant friends. 
Well, all right, fair enough. As like, as- I, I feel like I, that's going, like, hipster version of the Golden Girls adoration. Mm. Like, the Golden Girls adoration's pretty mainstream at this point. Yeah. And if I'm walking around with the I Slapped Weezer Boudreaux shirt... How did the timing of those two things work out? Golden Girls versus Steel Magnolias. I feel like Golden Girls was late 80s. Yeah, probably similar time. There seems to be something very, I don't know, aligned there. The pastels and shoulder pads and gorgeous hats. Well, I'm thinking of if one had influence on the other. And lots of Laura Ashley dresses. Like I know what that is. You do. Okay. Yep. Um, right in the middle. I Golden am... Girls was 1985 to 1992. And this was oh. 1989. I feel like maybe Golden Girls the had play, some influence on And this. the play came out in 87, I think. So I think it's possible this mm-hmm. may have been influenced by the Golden Girls. Sure. Yeah, why not? Um... I'm gonna I'm gonna make a twist on recommending this to your mom. I know your mom's already seen it. Yeah. Gail has seen it. Gail, I'm sure loves it. I'm gonna recommend the African American version of this to your mom because <laughs> I want to know how it is, but I don't want to watch it because I don't give a shit <laughs> at all. I don't care. But I'm curious about it. But like, you know, I will watch that version in a while. I don't want to watch it now. I'm, I'm gonna have other things I watch now. I don't need to watch this story again right now. But I'll come back to it for that version because, and I think that's appropriate in a couple ways. With plays, part of it is that you're not married to one performance of it. There's lots of actors who go through mm-hmm. the roles and all the rest, and how do they interpret it? Yeah. So that'd be a really interesting thing of how do you do another interpretation of this? I think it'd be actually really cool. So, and I wonder also if it's more true to the stage version or if it's more like this where you see the men and all the rest. So it'd be very interesting. I mean, so I'm recommending to Gail... The African-American version of Steel Magnolias. Also titled Steel Magnolias. Just search on Amazon and it pops right up. All right, I'll let her know. Next episode. Yes. This is going to be exciting. Now, Amy, what movie are you suggesting? He says he's seen it and he doesn't remember it. That's which right. I just don't understand because this what? is possibly one of my favorite movies. It's a very fitting summer movie, I think. Like how I described Ant-Man and Wasp. It's fun. Yeah. There's nothing much more to it. Has the amazing line, take me to the hospital, I'm dead. That would be the Tom Hanks, Rick Dukeman classic, <laughs> The Burbs. The Burbs. I'm so excited about it. <laughs> I'm excited because it's directed by Joe Dante, and I love Joe Dante. What else did he do? Gremlins. Oh, yeah. Motherfucking Gremlins. I love Gremlins. Great. He's great. He cut Saddest his teeth in the... Christmas movie ever. <laughs> he was part of the, like, Roger Corman group. Got it. Making movies. He made Piranha. He's great. I, Joe Dante's the man. Tonally appropriate with it. Similar period, that early 80s kind of dark humor. I think taking... the Burbs was early 90s, but late 80s, really? early 90s. Okay. Well, this will be a little off then. But my suggestion is Dr. Detroit, the uh, Dan Aykroyd cult comedy classic about a nebbishy man who has to Protect a bunch of prostitutes from organized crime. 89. 89. The Burbs is 89? Yeah. Okay. Um, Mindy's really Johnny on the spot with the, the information here. Yeah. Yeah. It's really Someone has to fact check you too. Now, <laughs> Dr. Detroit also will have in common with the Burbs going on your description. It is flat out entertainment. Good. It tries to be nothing but entertaining. Yeah. I We could... I'm, I'm happy to avoid familial death for a while. Well, it's a little heavy for the summer. Yeah. Well, and it will have a recurring uh, actor in a moment you love. 
with Spinal Tap, you talk about how much you love early Fran Drescher. Mm. You get some more early Fran Drescher with this one. Nice. It's going to be good. She that sweet, flat-ironed hair. It's pretty like, awesome. Like, actually probably put it on an ironing board with an iron. My yeah. mom used to do that to her hair. Mine, too. It's wild. I still do it, but I have a flat iron now. I know. Same it's thing. the same thing, and it's probably worse because I think it's higher energy mm-hmm. output. That's a different podcast. This <laughs> podcast was very different in a lot of ways. This episode. <laughs> Thank you both for having me. It was an honor to be on the podcast. Oh. I hope I get to be on it again sometime. I, I'm sure. I can't wait to have you both gang up on me again. <laughs> I thought that was pretty pretty good. I tried to no no no. She no, was restrained. Talk about no. I know just my thoughts and not side with Amy or side with Rob. No no. There was definitely not a lot of siding until Steel Magnolias, and then it was all siding. That's but cool. That's more. No, that has less to do with us and more to do with with my faults. Equipment, as like I said. Right. I get it. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. I'm okay with it. So then. Until next time. Farewell, and Sir Clover catchphrase here. But we gotta talk about lady friendships. 